Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to be reading God's Word. This is 1 John chapter 1, and um, it won't be on the screen, but I'm going to jump over to James chapter 5 as well to read one verse of Scripture to you. Man, praise God for the Word of God. Amen? Man, it's so good. This is verse 5 through 10, 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. James 5, verse 15 and 16, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the grace that you give every moment, every day, every breath that we breathe is a gift from you. We recognize that this morning. Lord, we think of that chorus of the song we just sang. With our voices, we sing, great are you, Lord. We're not so great. We're not so great. God, we have sinned, we're proud, we're arrogant. We don't confess when we should confess. We struggle to confess sin. And Lord, you have extended your love to us in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for the blood of the cross. So God, we want to lift up people to you as we open up our time in in the word and worship. God, we think of young gal in South Des Moines named Michaela. God, she's waking up this morning, another morning with a tumor in her brain. And we as a church collectively pray for her, God. We pray for her appointment in Iowa City coming up next week. We ask that you would give doctors great grace to remove that tumor. We pray that it would be benign. We pray for their family precious kids, God, that are involved. We think of Pastor Chad Cummings, 
struggling under the weight of leukemia right now and a host of other challenges in his life. We as a church body pray for him. Lord, as he's in the hospital, hoping in you, believing you, and being faithful to you even in his pain. And we pray for Chad. We ask that you would heal him and we ask that you'd be with him now. God, I think of Daryl and Karen Gideon this morning. We lift them up to you, God, as Daryl was rushed to the hospital this week. And Lord, his, his life is looking a lot different this morning than it did last week at this time. And we pray for he and Karen. As a church body, we lift them up to you, God. We think of all the other sufferers and physically in need of healing people in our church. God, we ask that you would be the God of healing and grace. God, we think of those in our church who are healthy physically but spiritually suffering greatly. We ask that you'd meet every need, those who are struggling with anxiety, depression, and fear, and worry, doubt. God, may you lift them up even now. May they, may your word breathe new life into them this morning and renew them. And God, we pray for those who are far from you coming into our church. Um, God, who don't know Jesus yet, Lord, we are so grateful so grateful that you would give us um, people that need to know Christ. And Lord, in a crowd this size, there's always a few that just need salvation. So we lift them up to you, God. Would you move in a great way this morning? Would you move us to confession of sin? Would you help us see the hard thing and do the thing for your glory? We humble ourselves before you, God. Meet with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So yes, if you have a copy of God's Word, 1 John chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning, verses 5 through 10. And we're going to be jumping over to James 5 as well. So we'll be going back and forth a little bit throughout the sermon. But as we get going, um, the sermon title this morning is called Confession. And on October 3rd of this last year, October 3rd, 2022, during the first day of the ACBC National Counseling Conference in Memphis, Tennessee. A few of us went downtown Memphis. We may have missed a few of the first sessions of the conference. If my sermon's on confession, it'd probably be good to confess right away that uh, we, we skipped out on the first few sessions to go downtown, and I'm glad that we did because we went downtown to the Lorraine Motel. And some of you know the Lorraine Motel, and you know the significance of the Lorraine Motel. I got some pictures of, of where we were at that morning. And a few of us went down to the Lorraine Motel. We walked around because it was at this location on April 4th, 1968, that Martin Luther King Jr., who we are celebrating this weekend, was shot and killed on the balcony of that motel by a sniper across the street. Now, it was a great privilege and a great honor for me to be there. And we were laughing and joking and, you know, Memphis is cool and we were going downtown and walking around. But when we got to this location, everything changed. Like the, the sense of somberness and gravity at this place was absolutely amazing. It was like getting hit with a big wave because people were there and if you ever get a chance to go to Memphis, you should visit here. People were there and they were silent and they were contemplative and there were tears that were being shed by people 
I cried myself, like just thinking of the gravity of the moment, right? And some of you are like, Pastor, that's no, no surprise that you cried at the Lorraine Motel because you're a crybaby. I, that is true. That is true. I am, I am sensitive that way, right? But I walked over to the hotel sign or the motel sign and, and I just turned and I looked at the, the full property and I just took it all in and I said a prayer to God and it was a prayer of confession. And it was very emotional for me, but here's basically what I said. God, forgive us. Forgive us as a human race, for the sin that is inside of us. The hatred, the vitriol, the anger that is inside of us, please forgive us, right? Secondly, I said, God, please heal us. Heal our country. Heal our people groups. Heal us as we come together from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Heal us as a people. Right? And then I prayed, give us grace to love each other. Give us grace to love each other. No matter what background you have, no matter what skin tone you have, give us grace to love each other. And then the last part of my prayer was more of a commitment. It was a confession. God, help me, Josh Daggett, do whatever I can do the rest of my life to love the people that you have put into my path well. Whatever background they come from, help me to love like Jesus loved, right? Only love, as MLK said, only love can drive out hate, right? And only light can drive out darkness. And I'm like, well, that's pretty much Jesus, amen? That confession on that October afternoon or that October morning was good for my soul. And that's the heart of my message this morning. Confession, though very difficult, is good for your soul. It's good for our soul. It does your soul good to confess your sin. And if you didn't know if you're a sinner or not, I'm here to tell you this morning that you are a sinner. (laughs) You have rebelled against God. You do have wickedness inside of you. And to confess that is good for your soul. The sermon series that we're in is called Family Matters. Right? Can I get a Steve Urkel amen? Yeah? And the sermon title is Confession. And in January, we are focusing on what it means to be a biblical family together because no matter how big the church grows, we got to stay connected relationally. Amen? Which means we got to walk in discipleship. This is not a moment for us to, you know, kind of just do business as usual and show up and check the box. And I was at church and I did my things and I went to my classes and I heard the sermon and then I went to my small. We got to go deeper than that, right? So as we grow, we got to say yes to discipleship, which means having a biblical family atmosphere at our church. It's a value. Now, part of that, Rob covered with the first sermon on love. Then I came and talked about community or connection. And this morning, I'm talking about confession. Because confession of sin is an essential part of what it means to be a Christian and to be a Christian in community with one another. So, healthy churches and healthy Christians have a great understanding of what it means to practice confession. 
So here's my question to you. How are you doing with confession? And you're like, I don't know. How about you tell me? All right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out. First of all, some general comments about confession. What is confession? Because some of you are like, Pastor, tell me about it. I don't even know what the Bible says about confession. So are we talking like Catholic confessional booths? Is that what we're talking about? No. N-O, no. There's no Catholic confessional booths at Living Waters Fellowship. Praise the Lord, right? Praise God. All right, we're very evangelical here. But what is confession according to the Bible? That's important to know. Here's the basic definition. Confession is agreeing or saying the same thing or admitting. That is what confession is. Confession is normal in the Christian life. If you claim to be a Christian, confession with your mouth is essential to your Christian life. It should be a normal part of the daily Christian experience to be confessing your belief in Christ and your sin, right? Confession is vertical to God and it is also horizontal to man. Confession is essentially keeping current with God, right? So if you've heard Andy Biddle talk to you about the four rules of biblical communication, you know that one of those rules is to keep current. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Be current in your communication, Confession is essentially keeping current with God, and confession is very hard. Can I get a witness? Amen, right? It is hard to confess because there is spiritual warfare going on in the background of all confessions. And if I, wanna, if I can talk to you married people, or you couples that in here this morning, confession is most hard with the people you're closest with. Can I get an Amen. Ladies, go ahead and elbow your husband now, right? Because here's the deal. Confession often is difficult because it's hard to say verbally with your mouth, I was wrong, right? Or I, like most people struggle with saying that the same way Jim Carrey struggled to say it in the movie Liar, Liar. You guys remember that when he was outlawed from from lying and he had to tell the truth and he had a blue pen in his hand. You remember this scene? And all he wanted to do was say that the pen is red. And if you remember the scene in this movie, he's like, the pen is royal blue. Remember that? It's a great scene. And for some of you, I have described exactly how hard confession is in your life. Royal blue. And I'm just telling you as a Christian, if we're going to be a biblical family together, you need to drop the pride, drop the sin, drop the shenanigans. You need to open your mouth and you need to own it. You need to confess your sin. So confession is both positive and negative, right? It's confession can be a really good thing. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. We believe that he rose again from the dead. That's a communal confession. Christians have been doing that for 2000 years. So it can be positive, but most of the time confession is negative in that I'm acknowledging my sin with my mouth. Now, what does first John one have to say to you? Here's the reality of some background of 1 John. 
The Apostle John, not surprisingly, wrote 1 John. It's a small letter. It was written about A.D. 90, and John was in the city of Ephesus when he was writing this letter. If you don't know where Ephesus is, it is in now western Turkey. If you don't know where western Turkey is, all right, I don't know. Go look at a globe, all right? You got to figure it out, all right? Go back to geography class. Western Turkey is, is southern, like Ephesus is south of Istanbul, all right? So Bisong Bait gives us a hearty amen because he lived in Istanbul for a lot of time. He's not here this morning. He was here at 830. He gave me an amen then. Is he here? Where's he at? He's, he, yeah, he was in the worship group, but he's out now. He's already done with the sermon. He listened to it at 8.30 already. So that, man, that derailed. That, that was different. That was different. Okay, so listen, like the heart of John's letter is chapter 5, verse 13, where he says, I'm writing you for, so that you will know that you have eternal life and that in Christ you will have life in his name. So John, that's John. And he is writing about confession in chapter 1, specifically in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the big idea of the sermon this morning is this. Biblical confession of sin is an essential habit of healthy churches and healthy Christians. If you want to be a healthy Christian and if you want to be a healthy church, you will have the habit of biblical confession of sin. Is it hard? Yes. Is it essential? Yes. Am I apologizing for anything in this sermon? No. Okay? Because I love you too much. We got to do hard things. We got to believe hard things. So here's the reality. We are going to look at three essentials of biblical confession this morning. By God's grace, you'll understand them. You'll make, you'll make application into your own lives and your lives will transform through God's power. Three essentials of biblical confession. The first essential of biblical confession is this, the necessity of confession. If you're going to be a healthy Christian, if we're going to be a healthy church with a biblical family atmosphere, we need the essential of the necessity of confession. So confession is a necessity in the lives of Christians. So here's, uh, look, looking at verse 6, 8, and 10, look with me in verse 6. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him we walk, while we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. Circle or mark that phrase, if we say. If we say. Because you're going to see it in verse 8, and you're going to see it again in verse 10. If we say we have no sin, verse 8. Or verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, so these are confessional statements. If we say this and that, but our lives are different, we're in trouble. But verse 9 says, if we confess our sin. So here's the necessity of confession. If you're a healthy Christian or a healthy church, confession is going to be a necessary part of your life. You can't escape it. Now, Here's what needs to be said. If I could state the obvious, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins. So confession, first of all, is a confession of your sin. Is that obvious, right? Is that obvious? It is. If you are sinning, confess your sin. Here's the anonymous quote. Confess your sin, not your neighbor's. Can I get a witness? 
confess your sin, not your neighbor's. Some of you are under conviction because you're really good at confessing your neighbor's sin, but not your own. If so-and-so were just better, if so-and-so could just do this differently, if so-and-so, if they could just act differently, talk differently, my life would be a lot better. Stop it. How about you confess, as a Christian, your own sin? Let's focus in. If we're going to be healthy, we got to confess our own sin, not our neighbor's. Now, confession starts with salvation. When you get saved, that's your first confession, right? Amen? When you get saved from your sins and you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time, that is your first confession. Romans chapter 10. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's an amazing thing. To confess Christ for the first time is awesome. Many Christians live their lives to say, well, I prayed that prayer when I was a little kid. I did what the Sunday school teacher asked me to do. I, I did this thing. I do my prayers every night. I don't have to do that ever again, right? Wrong. Wrong. You are saved from sin, but your confession progress is simply beginning at your salvation. Confession should be a daily reality and habit of all Christians and it keeps you honest. When you're confessing sin to God, it keeps you honest about yourself. Because it's dangerous, right? Our sinful hearts will lead us away from confession. Our natural ability, our natural bent is to walk away from confession, not towards confession. You know what I'm saying? Our natural sinful tendency is to walk away from accountability, not towards accountability. And here's what I mean. Like in verse 6, it says this, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. If we're not confessing sin, that's like us saying, well, I'm walking in the light. I'm walking in fellowship. Meanwhile, you're not walking with God. You're not in the word. You're not confessing. You are a liar. How many Christians are waking up today thinking, I'm good with God. I don't have anything to confess. I don't even, I'm, everything's fine. I'm doing great. But, but inwardly, things are going crazy. And they're living a hypocritical life. That is a lack of confession. We must be honest with God. We can't say, hey, everything's good when things are not really good. What about, what about verse 8? Verse 8 says, it says, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if you walk in and say, well, I don't even really have any sin. The Bible says you're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. So, so if you're not confessing sin on the regular and you're like, hey, I don't even sin, really. How ridiculous is that? Years ago, it reminds me of a situation that happened in our church when we were first starting. We were about 40 people and we had a group of people come to church. And I followed up with them in their living room, said, hey, thanks for coming to church. And they said, hey, pastor, we have um, a question for you about your sermon. I said, oh, okay, all right. What's your question? They said, you said from the pulpit that we are all sinners. Did you mean that? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, we're all sinners. And he looked at me. And he said, you didn't really mean that, did you? Yes, I did. And that began this big, long conversation 
about a heresy that I didn't really know about called sinless perfectionism. Where the individual believes that once you believe in Christ or you confess Christ once, you can get to a place where you're so sanctified that you never sin. Never sin. And I'm just like, I don't know what world you exist in, but like, I don't live in that world. I'm a sinner all the time. And I asked the, a gentleman, I said, when was the last time you sinned? This for real happened. He's like, hmm, let me think about that. Man. And I'm like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? And he said, I can't really even think of the last time that I sinned. And I'm like, you just sinned right now. <laughs> Boom, I win, I'm leaving, right? But listen, like that's how we look. That's how we sound when we say, I don't even sin. I, don't have nothing to, I got nothing to own. I got nothing to confess. No, that is us being deceived. We have a lot of sin that we need to confess and get right. And verse 10 says that if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's a really bad place to be where you don't confess your sin to God or others and you put God in the place of fault. That's bad. Where you make God the liar and you're the one that's telling the truth, that's always a dangerous position to be. When we don't confess our sin, we put ourselves in a very dangerous place and we make our own lives very hard. Here's what I mean. Have you ever read Psalm 32 verse 3? Psalm verse 30, chapter 32 verse 3 says this, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long, day and night. Your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. How many of you can give an amen to that verse? That's a powerful verse. When we don't confess, things happen to us. Our body gets really stressed. We feel God's hand upon us. Our strength evaporates like the water. And, and ultimately, the best thing we can do is confess. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, It does not spoil your happiness to confess your sin. The unhappiness is in not making the confession. I'll read it again. It does not spoil your happiness to confess your sin. The unhappiness is in not making the confession. Some of you are li living under this unbiblical lie that you can't confess sin because that would just be the worst, right? It'd be so embarrassing to come forward with my sin. I just can't be embarrassed that way because I have a reputation to uphold and I can't do that. You are making yourself miserable. Confession of sin does the opposite of what you think it will do. It delivers joy and deliverance and, and happiness and healing. That's what confession does. So we have to not listen to the lies. We have to see uh, confession as a absolute necessity. Do you view confession as a necessity in your life? When's the last time you confessed sin to God? And when's the last time you confessed sin to someone near you? Okay? It's essential that if we're going to be a biblical family together, we confess our sin as a necessity. Second essential is this, the audience of confession. The audience of confession. So not only do, do we need to see it as a necessity, but the audience of confession, verse 9 
Um, and James 5.16 comes into play here. The audience. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Do you see the audience there? If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Our audience in our confession is vertical. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray to another, one another for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. We are to confess our sins, according to James 5.16, to one another and pray for one another. So we have two audiences in our confession, God and man, vertical and horizontal. Now, how do we determine the audience? Here's, this is where it gets a little tricky. You got to use wisdom in how you confess and to whom you confess, okay? Here's what Roger Ellsworth said in his book. He said, confession should always be as wide as the sin. So if we have sinned secretly, we should confess it to God. If we have sinned against someone else, we should confess it to God and to the person whom we have wronged. And if we have sinned publicly, we should confess it to God and in public. Do you see that? So if it's private, you should confess it to God. If you've sinned against a person or a small group, you should go to those persons or small groups and get it right. And if it's a public sin, you should confess it publicly if you're a Christian. The problem with Christianity today in modern America is that we have too many leaders that don't confess nothing. They just keep walking in pride. And we got pastors and people naming the name of Jesus who are not confessing. That's an issue. We need to change that, right? I don't know if most pastors are getting their, you know, their um, examples from politicians, but when's the last time you heard a politician apologize or own something or confess something? It just doesn't happen. Here's the reason why. Because pride is driving the lack of confession. Here's what we have to do. We need to confess, first of all, vertically to God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Our audience in confession, first and foremost, is God. If you're confused about who to start with, start with God. Amen? Confess your sins to God. Get it right with God. Think about Psalm 51. David said in verse 3 of Psalm 51, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now wait a minute. David? King David? Psalm 51? The context of his sin was against Bathsheba, right? That's a person the last time I checked. And David sinned against how many humans in that whole scene? Lots of people. He sinned against many, many horizontal relationships. And yet in Psalm 51.3, he says, in my confession, my sin, God, is against you and you only. Primarily, it was a vertical sin against God Almighty. And then it was horizontal after that. But if you're looking for a place to start, always start your confession with God. No matter your circumstances, go to God first and then let him know what's going on. He already knows anyway, right? Next, you have to uh, confess horizontally. Now let's consider the horizontal audience. In James 5.16, we are commanded to confess sins to one another, referring to confessing sins to a brother or sister in Christ. So our first audience is God. Our second audience is horizontal brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, before 
you react too quickly, I want to help you pause and say, please confess your horizontal sins with wisdom. Amen? The worst way to apply what I just said or what the scripture said is to march up after the service to some random stranger that you don't know and say, hey brother, hey sister, you ready? Here we go. I got a lot of stuff to get off my chest. And then your brother or sister in Christ, you don't even know, their eyes get big as saucers. And all of a sudden, like, you're just like, bam, 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 and I'm struggling with this, and this is another sin, and here's another problem I'm having with my brother-in-law, and here's another thing that's going on with me, and this person, and that person. And then all of a sudden, your brother or sister in Christ, that poor person, is falling backwards to the floor saying, if this is Christianity, I want no part of it. Ridiculous. And to illustrate that, there I think younger believers struggle with this more than mature believers, I think. When I was first saved, I had an impulse like this all the time. We should just get real all the time, man. We should just like open up and we should do open confession. Let's do it all together and let's do all this stuff. Right? I, I good heart, bad application, right? It reminds me of, again, years ago, we're at the gym down the street having church service. There was a young man who walked into the service and he sat in the back and he was just kind of like antsy. I could tell like either he's really into this sermon or he's got something to say, you know. So after service got done, he stayed, he hung out. Pastor, I want to talk to you. Okay, let's talk. What's going on? He's like, man, during your sermon, I felt the Holy Spirit calling me to grab that microphone and I was really disgusted with how some of these people were worshiping God. And he said, and I wanted to call out every single one of them in front of the whole church. I just felt like the Spirit of God was telling me to grab that microphone. And I said, that would be a bad choice. That'd be a real bad choice. He came the next week, and, he, and the next week he said, Pastor, I, he again stayed after to talk to me. And Pastor Chad was a part of this. It was a long discussion down the hallway. And he said, man, this week I felt the impulse. I felt like God wanted me to come up and just rip the microphone while you were preaching right out of your, I'm like, dude, I'm wearing it around my ear. Don't rip it out. And I was going to rip it out and I was going to tell everybody about my sins and I was going to tell everybody about their sins. We're going to have this big confessional moment. And I'm just like, you can leave our church and never come back, right? Don't apply the sermon of what I'm saying that way. Like when you confess to a brother or a sister in Christ, that's not a license for you just to go up to whoever you want and say whatever you want, however you want, to anybody that you think is wanting to hear what you have to say. Be wise and discerning about who you're confessing to. Here's some questions that I want you to think through as you consider going to another person to confess sin. Well, first I'll give you two examples. One was the woman at the well. The woman at the well. You remember that lady from John 4? Like, she goes into town after meeting Jesus, and she says, hey, come, everybody, come meet this guy that told me everything about me. Could this be the Christ? I mean, she's going up and down Main Street telling everybody about Jesus, confessing her sin and saying, Christ is the Lord, right? Why did she do it publicly? Because she had had five husbands, and she was currently sleeping with a sixth man. And in a small town, do you think a person like that is known? Everybody say yes, amen, right? Everybody knows about this woman. So her confession is more open 
because everybody knows about her sin, so she's making her confession as big as her sin. Now consider the prodigal son. The prodigal son in Luke 15, his sin was mainly against his dad. Dad, I, don't want, I, don't, I want all my inheritance. I don't care about you anymore. I want to go live how I want to live. He goes and lives how he wants to live. He repents. He comes back. And do you remember who his repentance is to? His confession is to his father. Very intimate. So here are some questions to think through. As you are thinking about, you've done the vertical confession. Now you need to go to somebody and you need to get things right with somebody. Here are some questions to think about. One, is the person I'm confessing to biblically mature? Is the person that I'm confessing to biblically mature? Can they handle the information I'm going to share with them? Can they handle what I'm going to share? Some people are really good and mature and ready to handle that knowledge and help you with your sin. Some people are not ready. And I'm telling you to measure that out because if you, if you share with the wrong person, that could make your life harder, not easier. Amen? Second question, will this person encourage and pray for me? If I'm confessing my sin to somebody, will this person encourage and pray for me? Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 25 through 29 says that we are to encourage and pray for each other as the body of Christ. Will the person I'm confessing to encourage me? Will they pray for me? Because if the answer is yes, go ahead, confess away, get it right. Because that person will help you. Is this person a part of the biblical solution? Is the person I'm going to confess to going to help me? move forward in my life and make action steps that will lead to real change in my life? Or will they go gossip and will they just not help me and will they discourage me? Because I'm going to tell you something about the Christian um, ethos, the, the Christian culture sometimes. Sometimes you can have really good like ambitions to share with someone and they can take that information and hurt you with it. Don't share with those people. Share with people who love you, care for you, want to pray for you, and want to encourage you in your fight against sin. And finally, does my confession match the scope of my sin? Is this a one-on-one -on -one situation? Is it a small group situation? Discipleship group situation? Larger church? Like, know the difference. And if I could just speak to close this point to married couples... Married couples, again, it's so important that you talk with one another about confession of sin. Because I don't know if there's a more important relationship in all the world than a husband and a wife to confess openly to one another. If you're confessing to everybody else, but your spouse is not a part of that, you are going to have an unhealthy home. And I want to encourage you to confess your sins. And again, guys, if I can emphasize the truth to you. Women are way better at this than us. They are great at confessing things. They're great at owning things. And we men like to just sweep it under the rug. It's nothing to talk about here. No weakness here. No sin to confess. And I just want you to fight against that and say, this is your covenant partner. Figure it out. Guys, confess your sin and be healed. Good things are coming if you confess. So the audience of our confession is God and horizontal with man. Finally, last point, essential number three is the benefits of confession. 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are tremendous benefits that come with confession, right? The primary benefit of confession is that you get more of God. Amen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. We get the justness of God, the faithfulness of God, the forgiveness of God, and the cleansing of God in our lives when we confess sin. So what is the value of confession? I don't know. You get more of God in your life. How about that? Amen? Don't we need more of God in our life? God gives us joy. He gives us patience. He gives us grace. We need that. So, so God will bless. He will forgive. And he'll do it every single time that you call out to him. He gives you forgiveness. When you confess to God, he forgives. The word forgive means to send away or to cast away. God casts away your sin when you confess it. Guaranteed 100%. How do we know this? We know this because God is faithful to do so. Secondly, we also know that this isn't cheap. If you think confession is some sort of cheap activity that you're doing, like, oh yeah, I just need to get things right real quick and I just need to, you know, zip, 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 need to feel better about myself, confess, confess, confess. You are undermining the cross. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sin. Your confession is blood bought. Christ hung on that cross and he shed his blood not so that you would get some sort of cheap thrill about confession. Confession, your confession of sin is an acknowledgement that it is deep and rich and powerful what God did for you through Christ. Every time you confess your sin, you're celebrating the gospel. Look what Jesus did for me. I'm not going to just confess and live however I want. I'm going to confess and be thankful for the cross. Forgiveness comes through there. Second, he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. This is really good. He wipes away the filth and the dirtiness of sin. Now, if you're saved, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Praise the Lord. No matter what, you're going to heaven. But there is a sanctification process going on. And when we confess, we get washed from our filthiness or our practical sin that we do every day. That's a beautiful process. So if you are sinning, it's like getting really muddy and really dirty. And then you come into the house and you get a shower. Praise God, right? Growing up in the country, we grew up in an acreage in the middle of nowhere. So my brothers and I, we'd always build forts. We'd always be outside all day. So mom would come in. We had ticks all over us coming in. We had mud all over the place. But we were like outdoor warriors, right? At least that's what we thought. And we would come in and my mom would be like, oh my goodness, no, boys, no. To the showers you go. To the showers. Like, oh man, mom, you're so lame. Get down there, right? And use soap. Well, I grew up with all brothers, no sisters. Soap was so optional <laughs> that my dad actually had to like make a knife indentation into the soap bar to make sure that it was being used. And I may have gotten some severe punishment because the soap bar never changed. <laughs> like, like, and dad would come home, check the soap bar. Hey, you guys use soap? Yeah, sure. Sure did. No, you didn't. I notched the soap to make sure that I would see evidence that you used said soap to clean you of your filthiness. 
Sorry, Dad. Sorry. So here's the deal. When we confess, what happens? God cleans us. He gives us a bath with spiritual soap and we feel way better than you've ever felt before. That is a benefit of confession. The last benefit of confession is healing. According to James 5.16, healing comes through confession. And, and in the context of James 5, we're talking physical healing. And I'm not here to guarantee healing for people. I'm not saying that if you would confess your sins, all your ailments are gone. Here's what I am saying. Some of your ailments are a direct result of your lack of confession of sin. Some of what ails you in your mind and your body is a direct result of your lack of acknowledgement of sin and confession of sin. For some of you, your head pounds. There's physical manifestations of worry, fear, and anxiety. There's all these things that are coming out because you won't acknowledge your sin or confess it. And I'm just saying, the scripture says there's healing with confession. It could be that some of the things that are really hurting you will be delivered through confession. Either way, whether you get the physical healing or not, God is good. Amen? But some of you need to confess sin and just get your mind relaxed that you're good with God. Right? So that's the benefits of confession. So as we close, healthy churches and healthy Christians have the habit of confession. So where are you at? The necessity of confession, the audience of confession, the benefits of confession... Church, where are you this morning in confessing your sins to God vertically? Only you can answer that question. I can't answer that for you. Some of you need to call out to the vertical God and confess some things this morning. How about horizontal confession? When's the last time you've horizontally confessed with your mouth sin to another brother or sister in Christ or a spouse? Some of you need to start making appointments having conversations to get some things right with those whom you trust. And may God bless us as a healthy church as we confess sin together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Lord, confession is hard. Confession is not easy. Confession is not fun to talk about. But Lord, confession is so necessary in our lives. Confession of sin to you as an audience of one and also to an audience of horizontal brothers and sisters in Christ is so essential. In God, there's blessing and joy and healing that come when we confess our sins. So God, I pray even right now that we would confess our sins right where we sit, right in our seat right now, that we would not hesitate to have a vertical conversation with you. Maybe there's some hidden sins. Maybe there's some sins that have been a long time coming, that are coming to the light. God, may people cry out to you in their hearts. And Lord, as a church, we want to be healthy. 
So God, may you just allow connections to happen horizontally that would equal out to confessions to be made and love and grace and support to be given. God, we need you. Jesus, you died and you rose again so that people can be forgiven of their sins. What a joyful thing. But Lord, keep us in the habit of confession. Move us into places where we confess on the regular. Give us grace to respond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.